Hello, everyone, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is December the 11th of 2019. It's rather miserable outside, which is, means it's a great time to bundle up in front of the whatever the equivalent of a fire is wherever you live and uh, talk about manga. Fire's pretty universal, Nick. If fire wasn't no. so important, it wouldn't be part of the Elemental Four, Nick. You would think that if that uh, an indoor firewood place would be, you know, commonplace. But I've out of all the places that I've been to in Florida, I think that maybe like three homes have had fireplaces. So well, what do you need fires for down in Florida except to ward off strange predators, which are usually other Floridians? Chris, it is December. It's it's Christmas season. How is Santa going to get into the house if you don't have a fireplace? I thought everyone in Florida just got put on the naughty list by default. Well, yeah, but then, like, he gives you coal, and what do you use the fucking coal for? You don't. That's the point. It's a rock. Damn it! <laughs> and I don't think we use it for barbecues, down. I guess. Yeah, I don't think he. Th- I don't think he brings it down the chimney. I think he just throws it in through the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why we always have to get a new window every year. <laughs> like Santa's, Merry like Christmas, you old fuck. <laughs> See, Santa makes two trips around the world. He he does he goes through on the Christmas sleigh uh, in order to deliver presents to all the good boys and girls, and then he goes on a bike like <laughs> a really uh, mean paper delivery boy. And instead of delivering papers, he tr- he throws chunks of coal through windows. Yeah, it's like if you ever played the old Super Nintendo game, uh, Paper Boy. Yeah, uh, you're basically trying to do the opposite of what got you a high score in that game. Where you're, just, <laughs> you're hitting dogs with rocks and newspaper, like trees and, and glass people. Yeah, that's that's pretty much how I. He has to do a second run, right? Like to release stress. Yeah, I have to assume. Yeah. Oh, it's just you just like oh, there's all these fucking entitled kids wanting their presents. I'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> Don't, oh, you left me were snickle doodles. You'll get yours, little Janie. <laughs> Bam! It's like wait, he he's picky on cookies. He's, he's about like, cookies. <laughs> he's like it's super cold out. You thought I wanted a thumbprint? <laughs> Lisa, you dumb bitch. <laughs> If it ain't got that chocolate, you don't get no non-coal through your windows, it. I'm not here Look, to make rhymes. You make the rhymes about me, okay? <laughs> yeah. Up on the rooftop, click, click, click. Down through the chimney comes old St. Nick to bash your skull in with coal. Yeah, you want a better song? Tell Michael Blue to write it. After <laughs> I smash in his house, too. <laughs> I don't get it. Santa's gotten really surly over the last couple of years. <laughs> you know how many times I get hit with copyright strikes because I try and make versions of the toys that the kids want that they see on TV? It used to be just fine that I would make a wooden train and paint it for a kid. Now he's like, oh no, I want a Super Nintendo! Fuck you! <laughs> I get sued every year! You know how many fucking little kids want frozen shit? That's how some <laughs> mouth nonsense! They'll destroy old Santa! Get Mickey Mouse coming through my door, starting to break my kneecaps. You know the you know the whole thing in Nightmare Before Christmas where they tie up Santa and just beat him up for a couple hours? That was real footage! That wasn't stop motion! That wasn't clay, that was flesh and bone! It hurt! Also, Frozen 2 wasn't as good as the first movie. But then again, what sequel is? <laughs> you know, when you really get down to it. Although I enjoyed Anchorman 2 more. And you're just like, really? <laughs> <laughs> just, I kind of 
one of the weirdest choices you could possibly choose. Yeah, like, that's kind of a textbook example of a movie that was trying too hard to be the first one. I appreciated it. I like fan service. I like being catered to. Oh, Nick, what are you supposed to do on this in this podcast? I've been gone for a week. I yeah, somehow I managed to make it through. But uh, it wasn't the same. I'll tell you that much. Well, I appreciate it. In, in my time of need, Nick swooped down, much like a caped crusader of Gotham, to <sighs> become the Batman of podcasting. I'm Batman, and I'm here to host this podcast where we talk about manga. And uh, in this situation, I'm Robin, and uh, instead of being blown to shreds in a... <laughs> I don't know, like a factory where the Joker killed him? Uh, uh, beat I, with a crowbar. Yeah. It depends on what version if he was blown up or shot in the head. Yeah, Exactly. I had to go, but Nick, the ever-faithful Batman he was, found another young podcasting dude from Pennsylvania who was just a little bit younger, and he's like, you'll be my new ward. And together they kept Yeah, Tech-King tech, Drake uh, stepped up, yeah. <laughs> Rolo Todd got killed off, but uh, then he was brought back as the Red Hood. Um, yeah. I, I, or as the, as the Rolo Hood, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Rolo Todd, Rolo Hood. <laughs> it almost feels like it worked supernaturally well. Yeah. I, and, and then afterwards, I'm like, oh, who, could, who could the Rolo Hood possibly be? I don't know. Uh, a... Rolo Todd? No, he's dead. It's impossible. That's <laughs> <laughs> Mike sending you messages on yeah, Skype. Yeah. <laughs> See, my Batman is just a really bad uh, detective is the problem. <laughs> he's, he's not very good at solving mysteries. <laughs> it's like Batman sitting around Batman during uh, game night with the, the rest of the Bat family sitting around with like Barbara and Cassandra and Alfred is like uh, he's he's managed to they're playing Clue and he's asked like everyone. He's got like the, the list and everything is crossed out. Like, Who could the killer be? I don't get it. Uh, <laughs> it's just him staring at the board for 45 minutes. He's like, I think I'll go to night school. No, no, <laughs> this isn't life. You're thinking of the wrong game, Batman. Why? Why isn't this my mansion? I, I I should just buy this one, and then and then I'll use the security camera footage that exists, and then I'll know who the killer was. No, Master Wayne, that's not how the game works. It's not fair. Boardwalked. <laughs> yeah, not the game. <laughs> not is he a bad detective, or is he just like really stupid when it comes he to just, board games? He just doesn't know. Like Yahtzee. It's like Alfred walks in. He's like, Mister Wayne, you have to stop Two Face Heist. Now he could be any multiple places in Gotham, but I, might I suggest the abandoned Two uh, Factory? Like, no. I'll get him Too eventually. Obvious. I just, I've just got to stop landing on shoots, and eventually I'll get to the end. <laughs> Master Wayne, you're not playing against anybody else. You, you've you already won. It's the principal, Alfred. You think Superman would just cheat to the end? Well, I don't think Superman would let a hospital full of children be blown up instead while he plays the children's board game by himself. But you do you, Master Bruce. Who am I? <laughs> All right. All right. Now we've we've rambled for ten straight minutes without podcasting. Uh, I guess yeah, now no, we should that... actually talk about manga. Yes. Okay. We've made we've made it for lost time. All right. Uh-huh. We're gonna start things off with My Hero Academia chapter two hundred fifty three Shirakumo. So uh, last time 
uh, in My Hero Academia. Everything was kind of like wrapped up in terms of the Todoroki family for now. Uh, Endeavor decided that he was going to live separately from the rest of the family because he knew that they were better off without him, at least for now. Uh, and uh, so now we get back from the rest of uh, the training that involved Bakugo and Deku and Todoroki uh, as winter break is over and the new term has begun. Uh, there are only three months left in the first year of My Hero Academia, which means that they might actually like get to second year before this series is over. Who knows? I know that it's that uh, Horikoshi's talked about like how much of the series is done, um, but hey, maybe I don't yeah, know. I mean, I'm I'm still at that point where it was Oda like four years ago, being like, we're wrapping so, up, we're kind of yeah. <laughs> we're on the downswing. You've been going for twenty years, and you say you're only two thirds through. What are you talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so in my mind, I'm like, mm, we'll see. It might be something where they're like, yeah, this is super popular. Why don't you keep it going for a couple more years, and you get a crap ton more money? Like, okay. Ida is conducting uh, the class as you know, doing his uh, president stuff, uh, and he does some. He's being his normal self, but he is doing it. He's got very different body language so you know before he was be he would be very stiff and now he's just like it's almost like he's a bodybuilder uh flexing and so he's like oh we're gonna go over that way in order to uh go and do our next report uh they wrap things up Isaac comes in and we get, and we do a little bit of little bit of catch up uh with everyone in the class well not everyone but a few characters uh Ida says that he did a work study with Manuel. And uh, so while he was with them, he learned how to loosen up. And he demonstrates this by um, twisting his body back and forth. I'm not sure if he actually loosened up in character or if he's just like more flexible now. It, it would be very in character for Ida to receive the advice you need to loosen up and to take it literally and he's like, I need to be more flexible. I, I need to be more limber and perform more dance moves. <laughs> and then we get kind of fan service. It's a little bit fan service-y. Um, has got a bit of a new costume. Her helmet. Does she? Uh, slightly I, different. I watched this and I was like, I can't tell what's different. And I've, I can now vividly recall... There was a period of time where I was dating this girl, and she was a really big fan of Iron Man. And we were talking mm. about, uh, I think it was like the Avengers. And she was like, yeah, I really like uh, Iron Man's suit in this one. And I tried to be like, yeah, you know, I really like Thor's new costume in this one. She's like, Thor didn't get a new fucking costume. I was like, it's slightly different. The colors have changed remotely. And that's the same thing here. I'm like, is it like one of the lines? Is a line different on this or something like that? Her helmet is a little bit different, I think. Um, but they also make a big deal that uh, she's got this um, weird uh, wrist gauntlet thing um, that allows her to like uh, use her and she uses her quirk on it so that it's lighter. And she doesn't really say exactly what it's used for, though. Uh, but anyway, she made a tweak to her costume. It's something that periodically happens in the series. But as they're kind of fiddling around with it, um, Ashido is handling it. The little All Might keychain pops out, and Ashido has the uh, flashback to when they were exchanging gifts at Christmas, 
Um, and uh, Uraka wound up with the all my keychain. And Ashido like has this big dramatic whirl around because her shipping senses are activated. And Uraka's like, no, 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 I'm just, no, no, I, I'm just keeping it on hand. And, you know, Ashido's like, I love you. you just, it's ship teasing, you know. Anyway, cut over to Deku. Um, they're talking about how uh, he managed to get the uh, black uh, wire thing under control. And he's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's got limited use, but it's strong. And then... <laughs> Bakugo fucking chucks his head spike into Deku's fucking head and like impales his skull. <laughs> like, I know Bakugo's a bully, but this is like one of it, the, the most violent things that has happened in this entire series. <laughs> and it's just a little joke. <laughs> like, blood goes flying out of his head. <laughs> Even Sugarman's like, I see gray matter oozing out. Like, oh shit, Baku just That's killed bad. him. <laughs> He's killed him. But Deku's like, afterwards, just walking outside, like, yeah, I've got to get my body used to. He's still got the spike sticking out of his head. All Might shows up with a pun, referring to himself as the symbol of sweets because he's making cotton candy. And he's like, Come on, guys. Why aren't you laughing at my joke? Because everyone's just like, where's Aizawa? He's like, I don't know. I have no one appreciate my joke. Just someone's sympathy laugh for him. Look at how sad he is. I spent $600 on this cotton candy <laughs> machine. <laughs> I don't Come know on. how I'm paying rent this month. <laughs> I'm the symbol of peace, you know, symbol of sweet. Okay. <laughs> no one likes me anymore. <laughs> Um, they're like, where, where's Aizawa sensei? Apparently he was called away on urgent business, which we go to see, uh, as he is riding with present Mike in a car and Aizawa is very impatient. Uh, present Mike tells him to calm down. Uh, and they're like, you know, when we fought at the USJ, I didn't suspect a thing with his behavior, but how low will these bastards sink? Uh, so they're trying to figure out what's going on. They go into a heavily fortified the prison, uh, I believe the same place that uh, All for One is being kept. And they talk about uh, the Nomu as they're being led uh, through the hallway by Sukouchi and uh, Gran Torino. And they say, like, you know, Nomu are bioengineered. Bio they're people who have been tinkered with to withstand multiple quirks, but they're not living people because, you know, they're just like organs. They're puppets. Uh, but they're like, well, that's what we thought. Uh, I saw, I was like, look, just get to the point. Cause I'm missing business here. Uh, Sukochi says, listen, you know, you've, we've got to, you know, actually lead you through this, this way. So that you're actually able to process this very important thing that we're going to tell you. And Grant Trina says, this guy was central to the league. And if we could get him to talk, the big boss would be ours for the taking, but he isn't willing to spill anything crucial. He'll blab about crap that doesn't matter, but not info that could hurt the league. That's when he practically powers down like someone's pulled his plug. No reaction. Meaning it took us a good long while to realize because he's so sophisticated. His powers an artificial one from the fusion of multiple quirk factors and the base factor used. Well, you two were thick as thieves with another boy in your school days at UA, a boy who lost his life far too soon. And we see that the person they're being led and they're talking about is Kurogiri, uh, who they 
basically said like, yeah, his quirk has been artificially created. And the base factor in the quirk is a close match to Oboro Shimakumo's, who was apparently a boy that uh, President Mike and Aizawa knew when they were going to UA together. Hmm. Okay, so th- this wasn't like a big reveal for you? No. Okay, because I sat there, I was like, maybe I just don't remember this kid. <laughs> no, I mean, they've they've implied things here and there about Aizawa and President Mike's shared history, but nothing really big. Uh, and no, this was not like, a, like, oh my god, it's that guy. It's it's just, this is a guy that it turns out is tied into Aizawa's past. We're presumably going to learn about that now. So, Because okay. it's hard in my mind. Well, as soon as I saw it, I was like, is this like a really big uh, Naruto reference? Where it's like, hey, we had this friend who died, but it, they might actually be tied to somebody who has space-time powers, and his name is like really similar Mm-hmm. In the same way. So in my mind, I was like, I don't know if this is a reference or surreal character. I forgot about it. So it's good to know that I'm, I'm not alone in that. Hmm. Uh, well, let's take a look here because, you know, the Internet will tell us these things. No, the Nick, there are nothing but lies on the Internet. Uh, there are plenty of lies on the Internet. Yes. Ah, uh, well, my browser's being slow. Let's see here. Uh, da, da, da. Oh, he's in My Hero Vigilantes, apparently. Okay. Ah, there you go. So, if you read the novel, Chris, <laughs> you would know about it. I mean, I, I, we have been in, you know, hearing things here and there about uh, Vigilantes, but... Oh. Yeah, apparently he's been shown in flashbacks and stuff already, so... All right, so um, we're going to move over to talk about the jump starts now. And since we go in alphabetical order, we're going to start with the newest one. A Gravity Boys. Now, uh, Chris, I don't know if you saw, but uh, we got one or two requests to actually do a live reaction to this uh, chapter. uh, And then kind of warned away from it because it's very text heavy and would take us a long time to get through. Um, But basically, you know, there would be like, oh, I want to see your live reaction to this as it happens. Um, And I did have a reaction to this. Because it's a very stupid series. Um, it's okay to be a stupid series. Sometimes you can be a stupid series and turn out to be pretty good. But sometimes you can just be a comedy series that isn't funny. And um, that's what this is to me. It's a comedy series that is just not funny. It's rather pathetic to watch it unfold because it's just not funny. That's really the only reaction I have to share about it. It is a sci-fi a comedy series in which the premise is that there are these four guys, these four um, like young Academy graduates who took off from earth, having to go through a black hole, wound up on a very earth like planet. And um, when they get out, they exposit towards <clears throat> the viewer basically about their situation as opposed to us watching it unfold naturally to explain that they believe that they're the last of humanity and the nuclear war has wiped out the rest of humanity. And so they're like, well, we're, since there's four guys here, we're the last of humanity. You know, there's no uh, more. The history of mankind ends here. And then a bizarre spectral figure appears before them and gives them this uh, elixir of reincarnation, which instead of actually reincarnating one of them, will just swap one of their genders if they so choose to give it to one of them. And that way they could repropagate the species. And so immediately all of them are like, 
Well, the small, cute boy should become a girl so we can have sex with them. And then they're like, wait, there might be more to this than that. And the quote unquote, really super smart one of them uh, shares the theory that the person with the biggest penis would wind up with the biggest tits. So maybe the really big guy among them should take it instead. And they keep on having this argument about about this. The small, effeminate boy that uh, they were originally saying should turn into a girl eventually gets them to stop fighting. Um, and uh, then they fight more. And then uh, he gets the gun and is like, if I'm going to be cause of all this fighting, I should just destroy the elixir and points a gun at it. Apparently they stop him because they cut to later and they're having a much more restrained conversation about this. And they basically just toss the elixir out in out the window and they're like, yes, this is for the best. And they're like, all right, you know what? Wait a minute. What if the earth wasn't brought to complete extinction? I mean, we just lost communications, but we didn't actually see anyone die. If that's true, then there's the possibility there's another ship out there full of only women. And that way we could reprocreate the species. And then the guy who was really pissed off that they wanted him to become a girl is pissed off again. So his name is Chris. Let's be yes. up front. There's plenty of jokes to be made there about the lame effeminate kid being Chris. Um, but so I, I'm going to go out and live and I'm going to say you don't like this series. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I saw the same tweet that you did. Uh, and I also saw the thing that was like, yeah, it's a lot of text. You probably won't be able to like live read it. So I was like, okay. So I read it ahead of time. Uh, I kind of enjoyed this series. Damn it, Chris. Not because. <laughs> so here's the thing. At first, I thought this was trying to be a little bit serious. And I was like, this is the stupidest thing in the world. And I realized that was kind of the point is that it's kind of like always sunny in a way where you're not like nobody's <laughs> likable in this group except I guess sort of Chris but everyone else are just humongous dickheads and you're kind of just watching them all spiral that literally they land on this planet and they mentioned are like yeah I know we were sent on a space mission and a day later Earth nuked itself and then they land they're like well we're all four dudes I guess we all die and they're not even a creature from this new planet a bean from another reality spontaneously shows up to be like, I have the comical solution to your problems. Here you go. Goodbye. Now you can bang each other and it won't be gay. <laughs> and there's, there's a part of me that does find it funny that like you, you see the one person you're like, oh, yeah. Like if I didn't see it to start, they mentioned her all male. I would assume that was a female character. Literally, but I saw the four of them and I was like. Well, that person looks effeminate already, and their name is Chris, which could easily be be a girl's yeah. name. So that's probably the one that they're going to have it be with. But then on the next page, they're immediately like trying to be like really flirty with them and stuff. That was where I actually found it funny is they all the three of them all subconsciously made the same conclusion we did. And it's all presented like, like that guy's a sojo manga. Yeah. <laughs> like all of them get like rose petals around their introduction as Chris is just like. Hey, what's up? Like, oh, I'll take care of this heavy work. You go over there. Like, okay, thanks. Like, hey, I got this blanket for you. It's the warmest one. Like, I don't think I need this. And then finally he's like, wait a minute, you're all trying to fuck me. <laughs> like, 
You have to be like if in my lens of viewing it, it's just the world's like all of these are shitty, awful people. And you're just watching their comedy of errors. I find it much more funny than if you try to go into this looking at it like it's actually like these are well crafted jokes. Like these are just idiots stuck on a planet who are like in complete nonsense right now. And I, I appreciate I, I like I agree with half a somersault's uh, opinion in the chat, which is this delivery of the premise is better than the series delivery of the premise. <laughs> yeah. And look, I don't think we're going to get better chapters from here on out because <laughs> the end of it is like, well, we won't deal with that. So who knows what shenanigans get into? Maybe it stays funny, but in my mind, I feel like this is a premise that's going to get really thin really quickly but who knows i i, I didn't love it i wasn't like oh, hilarious but there was a moment when i was like all right i came in expecting one thing got something a little bit different and it wasn't the worst this isn't uh my tama spirit busters or whatever or uh whatever that other fucking terrible comedy series we read not that long ago was like i feel like at least a little of this can be funny if executed right hmm well, I guess there's a couple more chapters for us to find out, at least. Yeah. Mission, Yozakura Family. Mission 16, Underworld Toy Store. Hey, Chris, look, another character got introduced. <laughs> it's getting a little ridiculous. Um, so, in the last chapter, uh, we saw that the hit against Tayo had been put out by uh, Popopo. And we find out who exactly did that in this chapter. Because the head of Popopo, which is a toy store, which acts as a front for all sorts of underground operations, uh, is headed by uh, its president, uh, Hotoda, who um, is being interviewed at the start of this chapter. And he's just like, oh, I just want the children all over the world to be happy. And my second priority. And then all of a sudden in uh, the Yozakura household, the TV comes on. And the president has like hacked into it in order to try and flirt with Mutsumi, which apparently is such a regular thing that she just like instinctively turns the TV off without even realizing who's contacted her, which is odd. And she gives this, you know, the scoop to Tayo about what's going on, who he is and how he has all these ties to the this, you know, criminal consulting firm and stuff. And uh, he cuts in through the TV again to explain himself and says, that, oh, yeah, you know, I. Uh, I uh, I was the one who hired that uh, flower bin delivery company in order to kidnap you because I want to marry you, Mutsumi. And he says that, you know, look, my dream is to make the children of the world happy. And so he does that through the store by delivering toys to people. But also, it's not possible to make all the children of the world happy unless he changes the entire world. So uh, he uses counterfeit money to destroy black markets and support charities, supplies mass weapons so that troublesome organizations take each other out, pressure politicians so that policies and aid money are endorsed. So he's doing good things through very questionable means, basically. Um, and so he has all of these powers that he uses in order to accomplish this goal. But there's one thing that he doesn't have in order to achieve that goal, which is Mutsumi. Basically, he wants the ability of the Yozakura family to produce incredibly talented people. And in order to do that, he wants to marry Mutsumi. So he has all those talented people as his children. And so he starts really creepily acting, saying stuff like, have my children, have my babies. And uh, of course, this really pisses Tayo off because he's act talking about Mutsumi like she's, you know, just an object. 
and uh, he, you know, protectively puts his arm around her and says, you know, she doesn't like you. Leave her alone. And this does nothing but piss the guy off. And uh, he starts to rave and rant. He has to be held down by his helpers. And he challenges Tayo to uh, a showdown. And so Tayo's like, all right, let's do it. So Tayo uh, agrees to come to Popobo's store. But the, the president does say, like, make sure you come after 9 p.m. so we don't inconvenience the customers, which is probably the best joke in this entire chapter, honestly. And uh, they have a fight. Uh, the guy has all sorts of gadgets, which uh, keep Tayo off balance. Uh, eventually, he wounds him with bladed yo-yos, uh, severs tendons and stuff, so he can't use his arms to hold his gun. Uh, but Tayo is able to fight back by letting one of the bladed yo-yos embed itself into his arm and then shoot his taser gun directly into it so that the guy gets shocked. President is knocked out. Tayo says, you know, think this is a lesson to stay away from us. But it didn't work. The guy just, you know, keeps on contacting with me to try and flirt with her while also chewing out uh, Tayo. And that's where the chapter ends. Well, Chris. What did you think? So I'm going to give you this warning now, Nick. It's OK. Maybe two months from now, <laughs> you're going to see this series radically start shifting into more battle-based series. <laughs> and when that happens, I'm going to sit here and say, I told you this was reborn all over again. And you're all not going to believe me. But let me tell you, this is exactly how reborn started, where it got serious for a little, little bit. And then it was like, hold on. I've got a bunch of more stupid fucking racky side characters to throw to you. And then they had to turn every single one of those stupid side characters into a real thing. So this fucking toy douchebag is going to show up at some point and be a real character. I'm just oh, all I'm this... sure they're going to show up again, you know. Yeah, but he's going to have to be a serious character in a battle manga at that point. Oh, okay. Well, just... I mean, I can, I can see it, you know, like this whole thing with him, um, you know, wanting to do stuff for a good reason. But he does all sorts of terrible things in order to accomplish that good goal, you know. It's not too outlandish a premise to have for a character. So I'm just saying, except that every character you've met thus far is going to fall in that same realm. And it's going to keep happening because I think they're going to try a little bit longer to be like, now nah, we can still be like a comedy series for the most part. And to realize it's not really that popular, especially when people like this series more for its premise of being a battle manga. And it's going to become that. It's time to Madaka box this. <laughs> and everyone's going to be like, oh, all right. Let's see what happens. It's impossible to do it worse than Reborn, which had to very quickly like reinvent a whole power structure that to this day, if you if you forced me to, I could not explain to you how it works. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. He he has such living will, he does it in reverse, it becomes stronger. It something happens. But um I don't know. This chapter was just pure poop. I, it's not funny. Th this dude's annoying and not funny. And it's another character whose entire premise is like, I want Mutsumi. Yeah. And you're like, we are. They make a joke of it in this chapter of all of like how Mutsumi just kind of like draws these people towards her to be obsessed with her. So. And it's already sort of like we're already kind of falling into that realm where it's like. So we have to justify the entire reason there was a super serious arc with the gardener guy and everything like that. 
was just because this weird, creepy, tantrum-throwing toy maker wanted to kidnap Mutsumi. So the, the whole reason there was even a somewhat serious arc in the first place was to kind of get to this joke character at the same time anyway. Hmm. I get you. No, I mean, I didn't I didn't really care for the chapter all that much either, honestly. And uh, I don't know. I, it's uh, It's like... I think that the series is at its best when it kind of toes the line between serious and goofy. And when it goes too far in either direction, if it becomes too badly, then it gets kind of boring. And when it gets too jokey, then it just gets silly and unfocused. Um, So I appreciate it more when it's a a balance of the two, uh, like it was at the very start of the series. So this didn't really do much for me either. All right. Samurai 8. Um, Last time Hachimaru said that Sanda was very samurai-like when he was apologizing. uh, And we get a montage in this chapter of all the times that Hachimaru has had to bow and apologize. And it's like, oh, yeah, he does that a lot, doesn't he? Hmm. Doesn't really match his being a little shit the rest of the time that he's on on the page, but whatever. So (laughs) there's all these samurai here now. Because we need to have a group of samurai to take on Ben K. So basically what ends up happening is that as a result of Hachimaru's... shit. As we started this chapter, I said to myself, yeah, this whole thing's just about what's-his-name being redeemed. And then I remembered that the end of the chapter is they ride on space talk to invent Ben K. And a moment hit me again where it's like, holy shit, we're still dealing with Ben K. Why? <laughs> When we were going through that flashback and stuff, no, Benke was still alive for that shit. <laughs> it was really a moment where I was like, yeah, this chapter's just about that. And then you mentioned the other people, but I was like, why are there so many? Oh my God, so they could fucking invade Benke's fucking Death Star shit. Holy shit, we're still doing this. So, yeah, Hachimaru stands up for Sanda, uh... For all this stuff. And he's like, you know, I mean, look, I've learned his secret. He's not going to lie to us. And there's this other samurai who's like, listen, Nachimaru, I recognize your skill and your virtuous nature. But we're not naive enough to be moved by the words of a novice samurai. And Hachimaru just remembers his dad being killed. He's like, when it comes to the desire to avenge your father, there's no hiding that. And then um, (laughs) the guy who... Hachimaru had the big duel with, remember, where his, 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 his blade went white and stuff, and that was a big deal and stuff. Yeah, he comes back now. Yeah. He flies back in, and he's, like, and, the, and he's like, ah, pardon me for looking into your identities. And they're like, oh, you, the rumored man of silence, Sen. And he says, indeed, I am. Galactic Ball Federation, elite special forces, Sen the Silent. Look at me, how silent I am with how much I'm talking. I'm Sen the Silent, don't you know? He talks so much. <laughs> ah, yes. Send the silent. My name is Send the Silent. Why are you called the Silent? Well, many thousand years ago, before the dawn of time, there was a light. I, no matter how much you question me, uh, no matter how much you provoke me, I'll just keep my mouth shut. Nope, won't, won't hear my lips flapping at all. No, sorry. No, not won't say a word. Won't uh, won't give you anything. Won't, nope, nope. No, 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 no. Stop trying to interrupt. Me, I'm sitting the silent, and I rarely talk at all. He puts his fingers in their mouth so they can't talk. No, no, no. It's my turn to talk. 
<laughs> so <laughs> he talks a long time. <laughs> And they all talk a long time and they basically have a Death Star plans uh, session uh, where they're like, this is Ben K's abilities. Meanwhile, up in Ben K's key holder thing, he's still hooking things up and he's bonding with Yoshitsune's key and linking with it so that he can uh, use all his weapons. And they're like, all right, this is what we've got to do, guys, because uh, he's got uh, the weapons that the Ususama style has been acquiring in the black market that have star killing capabilities. And they're like, you could be given a 300 year prison sentence for possession of those on top of being banished from your school. Ashimaru's like, what are they? And another samurai uses his holographic projectors to be like, basically they're a meteor from world trigger. So <laughs> just, and he's like, look, here's an example of what happens if you use one. See, look, it's a death star beam. <laughs> so, Super powerful. And it's protected. His ship's protected by a barrier. So they're like, so here's what we've got to do. We've got to infiltrate his ship and reach the cockpit and defeat Benka and recover Yoshitsune's key within the time limit. The chance of infiltration improved. We split into two teams. So we'll communicate through our keys and match your channels accordingly. And I'll send a map and entry points to the barrier to real time. You four samurai, none of whom have fucking names, will be Team Alpha. Big two-page spread. These four samurai will be Team Alpha. Who are they? I I don't know there's a point where i was reading this chapter and i was like who is that guy oh it's just one of those like random shinobi and i was like wait they're not shinobi they're samurai this isn't Nar like you know naruto reached that point where there was like a shit ton of like random shinobi that were like oh okay they're just ninjas that kind of hang around and i was like yeah i guess it's like that except that was like something that was slowly established over time and then, like, we dealt with the whole country. Like, these just dudes just showed up. And they're just, we're dealing with the full page. We don't even name them. We just get introduced to them and they're like, you four shall be Team Alpha. And like, I guess they've been else. named before this and I'm forgetting. Which, at best, I think maybe one or two of them have actually introduced themselves. This really needed a thing where they were like, all right, you four, uh, give me your names and identities so that I can. Well, no, he doesn't need to do that because he already checked out their identities. He said that. I know this. The audience doesn't need to know it. But he well, could have said, like, you know, he should, he could have at the very least listed them off and said, hey, uh, Shmeggy, Smegger, Shmagog, Shmegin, you guys will be Team Alpha. The That's what he should have done. <laughs> <laughs> and they go, Shmeg, <laughs> I think that's a problem with Shmeg, 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 Shmeg. Just screaming. <laughs> Ah, uh, yes, that's Schmed, the coherent, yes. <laughs> Smed, Schmed, the unstroked. <laughs> God. I, I, I really, you had to sit here, because I think maybe some of these guys are part of the police force, because yeah. some of them probably showed up then, and like all the other samurai were quote-unquote defeated, right? So I don't know where they went, but I don't they know. should be gone. But I sit here. Because we're about to literally watch these dudes ride space dogs to attack the Death Star. And you're just like, how isn't this interesting? I don't understand this. I also like how after uh, this plan has been get delivered by Sen, Shmeh goes, smart tactics. You're as good as they say. I'm in. And it's like, literally, he just said, we'll split up and go inside the ship. <laughs> oh, <laughs> He's like, well, I'm Shmeh, the planning. 
the, the tactician. <laughs> He's like, wait a minute. If you're in a group of people, you could tackle different objectives at the same time? Oh my god, this man's a missionary. So the guys then decides to just be sh- shitty to to Hashimaru for no reason because he's like, listen, I, his experience speaks volumes that you can't back up. I support your master, not you. So shut up, kid. <laughs> he didn't say anything. He was just looking at you. <laughs> so Sen says that they need to have the princesses and Sanda equipped with uh, space protective wear because the samurai can breathe in space, basically. But the others are regular humans. So. As they go off into space, An and Sen's princess are wearing like astronaut suits, and um, Sanda's got a weird box around his head. Stop! So wait, samurai don't need air? I guess they're constructed (laughs) from energy and stuff. There was the whole fight in space that happened over the last several chapters between Dharma and Benke. I just ignored it because I was like, maybe space works differently. Um, then we get probably like the only like actual quality moments in the chapter. And one of the few in the series in general, honestly, because uh, Ryu and Kotsuka Sanda are of course on the same key holder uh, riding together. And so Ryu's like, Hey, do, what do you prefer between Kotsuka and whatever your other name was? And he's like, it was Sanda. Oh, okay. Which one do you prefer to be called? And Sanda says, well, just call me Sanda for, forget about me being Kotsuka. And Ryu's like, all right, then from now on, I'll call you, Wait, what was your name again? Sanda. Sanda. I'm sorry. I, I'm not used. To, he's like, I'm, I'm not used to the name. I'm sorry. It'll take me. It'll take a while to catch. And then he says, what do you think my real name is? And he asks him, you know, it's like if he's keeping any more secrets from him by this point. So I was like, no, there's been I've got no more secrets left to keep. And Ryu's like, well, that's good because now your true self is in the open and now we feel more like partners. And that's what, well, you feel more like partners referring to Sanda and Hachimaru. And he's like, you know, I, I, you know, want that closeness between us. I want us to be good partners. And Sanda's like, you know what? One of these days I'll find out what your real name is too. And Ryu's like, even with a different name, hey, you're, you're still a good guy. What was your name again? Sonda. Come on. It's not. It's it's really sweet. You know, it's keeping Ryu's, you know, weirdness, but it's showing that, hey, you know, these guys do actually care about each other uh, and that they're good bros. Yeah. Um, And it's one of those things where it's like, I don't understand how Kishimoto at this point does not realize what he is good at when it comes to writing, because it's like these these little moments that are just between characters that really do stand out. And all this other space samurai bullshit is just like it's just stop explaining stuff. I don't care. But if you have like, you know, good characters underneath stuff, then you care what happens to them. So like so the whole point of this entire arc was really to kind of get to us to why Sanda is a heroic character will probably be with the team going forward or at least be a a significant character going forward. Benkei isn't important. In fact, I thought it was kind of intentional that they mentioned like, Oh no, he's a fucking goober. His samurai soul's pathetic. Like he's kind of a joke. And yet we fucking fought and beat this dude twice already. And he was like, no, no, I need an Ultima form. (laughs) I, I need to, I need to go one level beyond and become a space station. You have to fight. And you really just have to sit there like, fuck, man, I don't know how you don't do the Daruma reveal and realize, oh, that's it. That's the end of this arc is he beats him in space. 
And I guess we just need somebody to explain the backstory, so we'll do it that way. I guess that's the thing Samurai Samurai can do. We'll just explain it like that. Why, after that's done, you're like, well, hold on. I think we need to go a little bit further and be like, no, Ben K's done. He sucks. Um, there are some people who are talking about, you know, comparing this to, like, you know, the Zabza arc in Naruto. Um, and I'm going through right now. And uh, chapter 30 of Naruto was, let's see here. It was the big confrontation between Sabaza and Kakashi, which ended in Haku sacrificing himself so that Sabaza wouldn't be killed by Chidori. Mm-hmm. Like that is what happened at this point in Naruto. And you think of the stuff that led up to that moment as well, compared to the stuff that's happened in Samurai 8. I know that's a really unfair comparison to go like, oh, yeah, one of the, you know, defining shonen manga of a generation compared to this guy's follow up. But, you know, it's the same guy writing it. And you would think that there would be a more of a sense of stuff having happened by this point. So, like, if you're to make that comparison, you want to kind of look between those. You can kind of see a little bit of like a blend. So you look at Daruma and he's the Kakashi character in that. And there was a moment where Kakashi fought Zabuza and he revealed his big power. I have a Sharing gun, and I could copy all your moves. And Zabuza lost, but he wasn't killed. There was a whole Haku fake out where Haku's like, I'll take this body and dispose of it, blah, blah, blah. We then spent like seven or so chapters in between that, getting to know the characters, getting to know the world that we're in. Very specifically, finding out that the 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 country they were from or the city, I guess, village area, was extremely poor. Like, there's there's images of shops that have, like, three items on the shelves. Like, you get to know that area. You get to know the family, the kid, the grandfather a bit more. You get to see the three kids train. And then we come back, and there's another showdown with Zabuza where he has this big advantage that just makes sense. Like, oh, he he's kind of set up traps ahead of time, and he's isolated the other kids from, from the teacher, so he's kind of on stress. It's not the situation here where Benkei just gets slashed, and he's like, ah! I'll, I'm very competent at this! I'll, I just steal things like a big bully! I'll just crawl my way over to my space station with missile launchers in it, and then I'll kill them, and you're like, a chapter later, you're like, it doesn't have any of that same weight or anything like that. You boiled down, like you didn't mention, like it, it was a really good character building moment between Sanda and, and Ryu. And it happened in six pages as opposed to six chapters. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't have any of that same weight anymore. I don't know why there's so much more of an emphasis on like, well, let's get to the cool space battles because they're not cool. They suck. Like, they're not that interesting. <laughs> I don't know, man. All right. Long diatribe about that is over. Zip Man. Chapter two, Steely Fusion. So last chapter posed a lot of questions as we had our twins introduced, uh, Kagami and Koshiro. Uh, found out that Koshiro was seemingly inside of the Kigurumi that Kagami donned in order to fight off the giant robot. Um. And now we see that um, things work a little bit differently than that entire sequence would have implied because apparently Koshiro can just like walk around in the suit. All right. Um, 
also he rejects Kagami uh, the offer for him to help as they're dealing with all this stuff. I don't know why he needed to bond with him the first time. Then there are other people working for him who could have worn the suit instead. Uh, there's a long argument between the two of them. Uh, we also get introduced to uh, an assistant of Koshiro's who I'm sure that she gets introduced at one point or another, but her name doesn't get said a whole lot in this chapter. So I don't remember it. Um, eventually, uh, Koshiro like sends Kagami off and is like, Hey, you know, get out of here. And also don't tell anyone about this because if you do, then our mom and also China are going to get caught up in everything. They'll be targeted. So, look, I'm, I'll pay you for your work, but your job is done. Get out of here. And he has like this bodyguard, like escorts uh, Kagami out and that's, he's gone. Um, and so he's like, you know, I'm fine with people thinking I'm dead. I just wanted to stay that way. Uh, my funeral's already happened and we don't know when the next attack is going to come. So to minimize casualties, I need to figure out how to be able to fight by myself. So without, you know, our, our hero goes back to school. And uh, he's, you know, kind of working off his anger towards his uh, brother by uh, working out. He overhears some people talking about Jack Man having saved the day previously. And, of course, he was the one who did that. So, you know, uh, sorry, it's not Kagami. It's Kaname. My bad. Kaname, like, you know, is a, he, he hears about them doing it and he, you know, ends up striking the pose and shouting out because he gets all pumped up and he scares them off because he's a scary looking guy. This poor guy. He's, su he's such a sweetheart, but he's just got those scary eyebrows, which I can very much relate to. Yeah, your, eyebrow, you know, your eyebrows do terrify me, Nick. Well, because like literally people will see me like just making my neutral expression and they'll think that I'm angry about something. So I very much relate to this guy. I don't have fang teeth, so you could try that going. You could start like sharpening them. No, oh, no. Okay. Bad. That's bad. Don't don't guys don't do that. Don't don't file your teeth down. <laughs> so uh, China shows up to uh, talk to Kaname. And, uh, of course, you know, he has, you know, rescued her from this point and he, rem and, uh, he remembers that he can't tell her about anything. So he's like, I've got to lie to her, <laughs> which he hates doing, but she has something very important to tell him, which is that, uh, at the, after the site of the battle afterwards, she happened to find, uh, this bizarre device, which has this big old, uh, logo on it. That's a steel in the middle of an X, which is Koshiro's company. So. She's thinking, like, is it possible that um, the giant robot was constructed by Koshiro's company, in which case, you know, she didn't want him to be blamed for it. Uh, and he's like, and she says, you know, he'd be turning over in his grave if it turned out that his company was responsible for this. So she hid it from the police while they were investigating the, the, the site. Uh, Konami, of course, wants to tell her about stuff, but he can't. And so he's like, you give it to me. I'll give it to the authorities. But instead, she walks off with it, upset with Kaname for having disappointed her, uh, which makes Kaname upset as well. But at that moment, there is this robotic voice that says, cutie flash. And there's, oh, no, it's another robot. It's a thing that looks like it's also wearing a Kikurumi suit, similar to the dog one that Kaname donned in the first chapter. Uh, but it's designed to look like a magical girl. Yay. The magical girl suit uh, confiscates the thing that uh, China had picked up and uh, she refers to herself as cutie charm, I guess. Um, and uh, so at that moment, the sight of an enemy has been confirmed. Koshiro and company are arriving on the scene. 
but they're up on the roof of the school building. So when Sheena tries to escape through the stairwell, Cutie Charm uh, blows up the stairwell instead so nobody can get up or down. So uh, Koshiro is like, OK, here's what we'll do. I'll turn myself in. But Kaname uh, objects. Well, but Koshiro says, well, this suit is useless without you. There's no way for us to win the th- way things are now. So I guess what happened is he needed Konami to use the suit when the robot attacked, but he doesn't want Konami to get involved in things. So he's going to try and utilize the suit's abilities without involving him. That's the best that I can gather. There was a thing in the first chapter where like Konami's DNA was recognized when he put his thumb on the zip, uh, the zipper. So presumably only certain people can wear the suits and the fact that he and Kosher are twins is probably what allowed him to use it. Mm-hmm. But we don't get any of that explanation yet. Uh, Konami refuses Koshiro's, you know, plan to just give himself up, uh, even though he says this is the only option that we have. Konami says, I'm not going to let that happen. So you're not because you're not going to die without my permission. And he's like, what we're going to do is I'm going to rescue both of you guys. And that's the only way. So he gets up on the railing at the roof and prepares to jump off and says, come on, let's fusion. And uh, Kosher is like, that guy's inc- that guy's crazy. But the female assistant is like, yep, be sure he's crazy. It's pretty awesome of him, basically. And so she drives the truck really fast and ramps it up a statue. Not sure exactly how it worked, but she does it. Yeah, like it's like a Phoenix Wright statue that's like pointing outwards. And I guess it was made of like a rubber. So like as soon as she starts driving, it like bends under to give her a ramp. Like, I would have just made a statue that was a ramp or something like that to drive up. <laughs> this feels like you went out of your way to be like, no, the physics don't work. I want you to recognize that. <laughs> so the truck goes flying up through the air at the same time the Konami is leaping downward. Uh, the side compartment of the truck opens up. Koshiro goes flying outside and goes straight towards Konami, who grabs the zipper, uh, while Koshiro objects to the fact that everyone around him is an idiot. So that's the end of the chapter. So, Chris, have you been able to read uh, both chapters of this series? Yeah, uh, I've, I've read both chapters so far. What do you um, think? So, so I, I enjoy it. I, I think it's it's well written. Uh, it's hard not to think of My Hero Academia, but it makes sense when you learn that this the, the author has been an assistant for Horikoshi in the past, so has probably picked up a lot of those stylings as well, and for Oda, I believe, too. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you could definitely see the similarities there. I enjoy it. I don't know if I want this to be a long running series, though. Hmm. I don't know. You don't know if it's got legs. I feel like this just makes sense better as like a short story, kind of like like a 30 to 40 chapter kind of story. And then I just don't know right now if this is a world that I'm like, yes, I would like to spend a decade in this world or something (laughs) like that. Like, especially while we already have a major battle series that's also about superheroes currently running in the magazine. I mean, it's a different kind of superhero thing because this is clearly much more uh, Eastern influenced than My Hero Academia is Western influenced. It also Uh, seems to be a world where superpowers aren't the norm. Right. So, you know, it would be a different sort of thing. But 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, like, I, I and I'm not trying to say that. Like, if this series goes on longer and is very good, I'm gonna be like, well, I thought it should have been a short. Like, well, obviously, totally. maybe in time, it, like, we'll develop more, and the whole world will be something that enjoys, like, ha- you know, makes a more enjoyable process. But right now, I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm I'm not gonna get super attached to it. I I definitely enjoyed the first chapter of this, but more than the second chapter. Especially because, like, you know, the first chapter opened up so many possibilities of where things could go. And then chapter two immediately kind of narrows things down a little bit. And it's a little bit weird to have the whole thing of like, oh, well, you know, my brother is dead, but his, you know, presence is inside of this suit. If then you find out that the suit can also walk around and go around on its own. It's like, well, that's not nearly as big a dramatic hook. Then, you know, it's. (laughs) But, um, hey, we'll see where this goes um i'm sure that we'll get more of an explanation of how everything is connected between these bizarre enemies that are attacking people and uh, koshiro's company why konami has to be so attached to things and all that stuff yeah. and uh, yeah well I'm, I'm sure that as we get more of a solid idea then we'll get also more of a solid idea of uh, how good we think this is going to be going forward so all right with that, Nick, we never learn. You take a, brec- a breath, a uh, breath, a break under your voice. Oh no, I'm having the stroke now. You take yeah, a no. break, Nick. No, good, Nick. You've got to read all the chapters. Shmee, <laughs> shmee. <laughs> Nick, what, Chris, what'd you think of this chapter? Well, check Shmee. <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> uh, we never learned. Question one thirty nine. They learned the final pizza bet alone. So when I saw this cover, I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. (laughs) Please, no. And then this chapter. Wouldn't you know it? It's a very sweet chapter. You're like, oh, this was the chapter that almost made me cry this week. So we start the chapter with Uega. He's writing a whole bunch. And he's like, hey, I got to get over to the post office. And his mom's like, oh, I wonder if you think the other girls will be okay. I hope they do well. And uh, she also asked, like, which one are you into? He's like, these are just friendly chocolates, and it doesn't mean anything. And besides, they're doing everything they can, so right now they have to fight their own battles. So uh, he's like, oh, hey, Mom, if you're headed to the post office, mail these things for me. We, we cut over to Fumino's place, and her dad is working behind her on a laptop, and he's like, no, laptop failed again. Well, what are you going to do? So uh, 10 years, you're definitely going to fail at that point. And she's like, stop saying fail. Stop, stop it. And we get this kind of interesting transition throughout the chapters where like one girl will kind of do something and it'll transition into another girl kind of doing the same thing. So for me to say like, stop saying that as it cuts to Uruka being like, stay, cut it out, mom. And her mom's like, wait, I just said the comedians on TV aren't doing very well. They're going to fail. Like they're totally failing at their jokes. She's like, yeah, you're saying fail. Stop it, mom. She's like, ah, sorry. I guess I was being a little inconsiderate of everything. And you know, she eventually slips and falls and it cuts over to Ogata and she's over at the restaurant and she's like, oh no, I slept. And you know, her dad's trying to apologize. Like, oh, it's only because I spilled soup. She's like, uh, yeah, that's, it's not like I slipped or anything like that. And then she sees she's got a cut in her leg and there's a, a, a phrase in Japanese that says, you know, basically means like leg cut where they're like, if you don't six, you know, pass the original test at a certain threshold, you don't get to take the secondary exam. So she's like, oh no, I got a leg cut. Oh, they're going to fail me. And he's like, no, no, you're doing fine in the national exam. And then some other fucking person at the bar is like, you know, I like Ronin Samurai. They're super cool. So she just hears Ronin. She freaks out and then it 
cuts over to Asumi, who's like, stop saying Ronin! And it's her dad just like, well, I was just talking about Lyle Orithylene. Leothyronine. I didn't say chemistry. It makes sense in Japanese, but it is great where it's just like, it's her like, still don't say like, I want to know what, I want to know what fucking topic he was talking about. Like just hanging out in her daughter's room as she's trying to study. Uh, yeah, and she gets very upset. She's like, get out of here, you know, get out of the room. They're like, all right, well, we'll, we'll, we'll leave you this. Just too much stress. It'll stunt your growth. And uh, she's like, oh, God, what are they talking about? Stress. Oh, my God. What are they doing? That, oh, everybody's annoying me. And then they, they, she gets a delivery. And all the girls get a delivery. And they open it up, and it's a notebook for them. And it's addressed to each one individually. And it's from Uwega. And it says, this is probably the last notebook I'm ever going to make for you. And it's like, Aruka, you're ready. Just answer with your bold style. Here are a couple last phrases for you to remember. Uh, Ogata, the answer is always in the text. Just, you know, look out for these certain lines. You know, Firmino, make, you know, watch out for making mistakes. Remember to double check your equations that are in this notebook. Senpai, here are, here are some things I think you might still need to extra help on. And just let the anxiety help you, like, ride through this. And then I believe in all of them, it says essentially the same message where it's like, you know, for a long time, I thought studying was kind of a lonely thing. It was something you kind of just had to bear alone with all the stress and anxiety. But once we started studying together, oh, no, Nick, Nick's connection, uh, he says, once we started studying together, I thought, oh, if I explain it like this, then Ogata will get it. And Maybe if I tell this story, uh, Fumino will overcome her fear of math. And maybe if I say this, it'll motivate Ruka. And if I if I explain it to like this to Konami, and he realized at that point I was thinking about all of you and facing these challenges together. And that's how we've spent these years. And I've really enjoyed learning. So thank you for sharing for working so hard with me. And even though in the end we have to face our exams alone, you know we're going to be the only ones in the room. And we have to trust ourselves and fight our own battles. We might be on our own, but we're not alone. We're going to pass these tests together. And all the girls, you know, smile and kind of affirm, like, okay. Uh, and then we cut to a big, basically a full page spread that says it's the test day. The day that would decide their fate. And we get one last page where uh, Kirisu gets a notebook and it's her being like, Oh, God, what is he doing writing this notebook? It's him being like, oh, I'll strive hard so I could, you know, earn your respect and everything like that. And so since I'm probably not going to be able to visit in a while. And he just negs her for everything she needs to do around the house. It's like, step one, make sure you clean out the gutters and shit. And I, don't, I don't know why, like, I know it's a full page as opposed to, like, the, more like the one strip at the bottom of joke panel. But it was such a great way to be like, okay, she gets a book, too. But hers is, is mostly just full of it. Clean your fucking apartment. <laughs> It's like how to be a fucking adult. It's a really sweet chapter, though. Like, uh, I, I think that I had the exact same reaction as you. Like, I see that, you know, opening color page and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> and then it turns out, yeah, hey, we're on the home stretch and everyone is, you know, working together. I think my favorite part of it is that one page where, you know, Yuiga is sitting at the table with his books while all of the girls are reading the notes that they've gotten from him. And it's like they're all kind of clustered together, even though they're all currently on their own. So it makes it feel like, hey, you know, even though this is, yes, it's 
there's this romantic harem element that is more and more taken over the series as we're getting towards the end, because of course you've got to get down to the point of which girls you're going to wind up with, because we had that freaking prophecy at the fireworks festival that said he was going to wind up with one of these five girls um, that, uh, you know, it feels as though like these guys are all friends and they've gotten to know each other and they are in this together. And it's really sweet to to see that. And I really loved it. So, For like three months now, I've been quietly kind of like biding my time as I was like, oh, God, this is another stupid fan service chapter. Oh, God, this is another stupid fan service chapter. This one barely has anything. And I was like, no, hold on. We never learned it's proven itself to you before. And then I get this chapter where I'm like, we never learned it's the best written series in Shonen Jump. And I don't care if people make fun of me for it when a chapter is like, oh God, his breasts are so big she can't fit through doors. I'm like, no, all right. There's going to be a chapter where she talks about her parents and it's going to break your goddamn heart. I don't know why it is this way, but it is. Oh, man. Yeah, it's a, it's a very sweet chapter. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. Dr. Stone. Last week, Yo had his moment in the spotlight where he shot the gun and blew a fucking hole in Ibarra's hand, causing him to drop the petrification device, which fell into the ocean. Uh, which seems to be actually bothering Ibarra much more than the hole in his hand currently. As we open up this chapter and Yo swims over and recovers the weapon, uh, saying that he now possesses Medusa. Uh, we get our uh, title page there where it says the strongest weapon is. And it's an odd picture because it's Senku and Kohaku like posing together. And it's like, Senku, you would not be able to lift up Kohaku in one arm. Don't even fucking <laughs> pretend. Fucking weakling. Also, she appears to have stolen Usopp's fake multiple ton hammer. Except it says 100T. I'm not sure if it... Well, it's a lowercase t. I don't know what that means. Well, it's because I, I think they're in space, so gravity doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, It's a 100 ton hammer, but it's only that small? Yeah, it's also made out of wood. That's got to be super yeah. heavy looking wood. <laughs> if lowercase t means something else, then I don't know. So, yeah, Yo's like, all right, I've got this weapon. Perfect. And uh, we could take out Moe's with this. And, and then and then everyone will worship me because I'll have vanished all of the Kingdom of Science's enemies. And everyone will be like, oh, you're the top dude. Yeah. So and just, they, to, just to interrupt, because if we don't, we'll get a thousand comments about it. Apparently, it's a City Hunter reference. Everyone say it in the, the comments. So you don't need to tweet. I don't know what that it. is. It, it's a manga that ran and jumped. Okay. So. He was like, all right, eat this most Petra beam fire. Wait, I don't know how to use this. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, Hyoga is fighting against Mose, but things are not going well for him. Mose is clearly overpowering him. And Mose is like, look, you know, I know that uh, you I can tell from your spear handling abilities that, you know, you've trained long and hard in order to master your skills, but that's not enough to beat me and my genius natural talent. Unlike your false fangs sharpened through practice, I've been the strongest since the moment I was born. Do you think when Inagaki was a kid, like he, he entered into like a fair 
and he was he he worked really hard and he got second place to some kid with dreadlocks who yeah. just like fucking like did nothing and got first place and Bo's he's held suddenly... it against him forever. See, that's that's Moses' secret, Yoga. He has the muscles of a black man. <laughs> I was like, because I, I look at this character, I'm like, oh, it's Aegon again. <laughs> like, he's just he's in a new series. <laughs> just he he's in a caveman series instead of playing football. So he goes after Hyoga again, but Hyoga steps backward off the side of the ship and dives into the water. And uh, Mose immediately dives in after him. They swim up to shore and Mose is mocking Hyoga, being like, ah, are you, you know, just desperately fleeing? You're pathetic. But uh, Hyoga's like, well, I know what's going on here because he thinks to himself, Senku's not just running away with his tail between his legs. He's raced off to get something. And sure enough, we cut over to Senku's group uh, and Nikki cuts through some like bamboo sh- uh, shoots. Uh, Senku hands off a little piece of one over to Gen and who recognizes it as the tube uh, because and Yoga knows just in his heart. It's like I, I'm the one that they freed in order to take you on. So they want me to have my strongest weapon. So I've just got to believe that they're going to make it happen. And then he realizes as he's rushing, like, huh, so I believe in Senko and everyone, huh? And so he kind of like, you know, gives them, you know, kind of grins to himself a little bit as he realizes what that means. And he starts to adjust his cloak as he rushes off. We get a little bit of a science lesson from Senku as uh, everyone gets to work on it um, as they are using dry lubricant on the tube in order to get it properly prepared. And uh, once it's ready, Gin hands it over the tube over to Magma, and he, you know, reminds him of like, hey, you know, way back when when uh, Hyoga first showed up, uh, you helped us pretend that we had made a rifle by just randomly throwing a rock. And Senku points out, well, yeah, but uh, you know, we can't have you just randomly throw it. You've got to be on target this time. Can you do it? And I was like, do you even gotta ask, String Beans? And he fucking chucks the tube through the air. And Hyoga holds the handle of his spear out and it lands fucking perfectly and slides along the shaft. And Hyoga's like, you've done well. Mose, prepare to witness a spear of science. And he introduces this as the Owari Kanryu spear style and he unleashes his proper two spear technique. And Mose is like briefly hypnotized by the way that the spear moves in circles, gleaming gold like the sun. And the spear strikes him over and over again, breaking apart his stone armor. And Moses is like, no spear moves like that. How are you doing this? And Yoga, you know, explains briefly what it is that, you know, how it is that it works. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you know, this, I've mastered this through months and months of training. And this particular pipe spear, courtesy of the Kingdom of Science, both spectacular gliding action. Moses is like, oh, this sorcery spear is defeating me. But Hyoga just says, it's not sorcery. What do you think is humanity's strongest weapon? It's a certain privilege afforded to the human race, the accumulation of knowledge and skill over multiple generations. For millennia, we've steadily built it up through diligent effort. And we cut to Hyoga's childhood, training with his spear in a dojo. And at the same time, we also see Senku, you know, with instruments of science and everything that he's learned from. 
And Yoga says, before we die, we polish those skills even more and let the next generation pick up where we left off. Up against that never-ending diligence, a single man's raw talent doesn't stand a chance. Cool moment. So there you go. Maybe if Senna had had science on his side, Chris, he could have defeated Panther in that last battle through generations of hard work overcoming a single talented individual. But no, uh, all he could do was headbutt him once and then he lost. So (laughs) (laughs) I think that's what this series is all about. (laughs) We're all leading up to getting to the modern age so we can play football. And get that Christmas ball again. (laughs) This is what Senku's real goal is. We've got to reconstruct the Christmas bowl. So we've got to do it right. This is basically like a back to the future. Like we have to do it right this time. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. We uh, cut back to yo again, who I amusingly like chases off some of the random people from the petrification kingdom by pretending he's got more bullets. (laughs) Uh, but he's like, he, then he just holds up Medusa and he's like, you know, I really wish that I could use this thing. But, uh, you know, I'm, but at least I've uh, made sure that they can't just take out the whole island. But fucking <laughs> Ibarra comes diving down like a ceiling gripping enemy in a video game. It is one of the most terrifying images I've ever seen as he just falls down mouth wide open. Like, I, I can't just dis- like, he kind of almost reminds me of like one of the redeads from the Ocarina of Time where there were just open. these monsters with like giant open faces kind of thing where you're like, that's just unnerving as it is. It's really tall and gangly like a redead, too. So, yeah. uh, and he comes diving down off the side of the ship right next to Yo. And as he's coming down, he mutters something to the Medusa and it glows. And that's where the chapter ends. Cool chapter. What has Ibarra done? I guess we'll find out next week. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're it's a it's a kind of intimidating little moment where you're like, oh man, I hope everything's okay for you, which wasn't the sentence I was expecting to say during this arc. But maybe there's some other thing that this this device can do. Because we haven't been seeing Kurosame or whatever her name is whisper into it. So I assume yeah. that maybe this is something that could cause it to self-destruct or maybe it could do something different. Uh, well, exactly when he sure. took out Kirisame in the previous chapter, he gave it a time and a distance. And so presumably he's doing the same thing. But, yeah, there could be other commands, like he said, uh, yeah. to cause it to do something. So it'll be very interesting to see what it does but yeah super good chapter very interesting um excited to see more time to get stoned had to throw it in there somewhere yeah yeah, yeah right chainsaw man chapter 50 now I'm a car. Sharknado. Now I'm a foghorn. <laughs> so it's Denji riding on Beam the Shark Devil versus Rays and Typhoon, apparently. A devil who uses its brain matter to summon a typhoon? I don't know. 
Can you believe so there was else. a point we weren't going to read this series, Nick, that we were just going to be like, no, I'm done. We're going to leave this. If we would have missed this fucking fight. <laughs> Big two-page spread as the two of them come go facing off against each other. Um, everyone else basically can just watch because the scope of the battle is so ridiculous. Um, they manage to trade some blows somehow. Not sure exactly what happens, but uh, Reza's leg gets cut off at some point. Again, I don't know what happens. Um, Denji claims to have cut it, I guess. Oh, there's his arm at the bottom of the... See, here's the thing. Chainsaw Man does not have good art. I'm sorry. It doesn't. (laughs) So it's really hard to follow at times. But uh, the Typhoon Devil just spits some blood at Reza so that she can heal herself. Um... And I like how Denji is like, oh, I cut off a hot girl's leg. Oh, good. Her leg's back. No, wait. No, she's healed. That's bad. <laughs> Such an idiot. He's so caught up in it. <laughs> it's great. The storm causes the angel devil to nearly get sucked in. And uh, Aki reaches out and grabs him. And he's like, come on, grab onto something. And the angel devil is just like, look, I can't. There's no way. Uh, and he's... Keeps on insisting, just let me go. If I'm going to die, it's fine. It just means that today was my time to die. I've been ready to die for ages now. And uh, Aki's grip on his shirt eventually gives out. The shirt slips through his fingers and he starts to go flying in. The angel devil closes his eyes and remembers a woman, it seems, face looking at him while he was on the shore somewhere. But then suddenly Aki manages to grab his hand and... And uh, he pulls him back in while holding on to a lamppost with the other hand. And the angel devil's like, why would you do that? Do you want to die? And Aki's like, no. Look, how much did that decrease my lifespan? And the angel devil's like, like, by like two months. And Aki's like, oh, oh, shit. <laughs> this guy. I wonder how, how long he was originally supposed to live, because like. <laughs> Yeah, he's lost a lot of time very quickly. (laughs) Very quickly. So uh, he's like, look, if you're going to die, do it far away from me because I am sick and tired of people dying on me right before my eyes. And he draws him in and he's like hugging him from behind, basically, while they both crouch behind the lamppost. Meanwhile, Denji is cutting the fuck out of this typhoon devil thing. And he's just like, this is easy. I just swing my chainsaws around and I kill him. I love how he's just like, I've got it easy. I don't have to blow up anything right there. I just have to swing chainsaws around wildly. <laughs> Two-page spread of the Typhoon Devil saying, get away. And then fucking Denji riding on, on beam through this bleeding brain matter guy. Um, who eventually just kind of collapses into goo. And uh, then Denji's like, where's Ray's? Uh, it turns out she went above him and uh, comes down. Diving down with an exploding stomp that propels the two of them down into the ground. But being protected, Denji, by swallowing him briefly. Uh, and Denji's like, thanks, Beam. And Beam's just like. <laughs> and you're like, I guess you're still alive. Let's have our fight now. <laughs> so it basically is down to Denji and Ray's one on one. Now that uh, the Typhoon Devil has been defeated and Beam is seemingly down for the count. And that's it. They're facing off against each other on top of a roof. Great chapter. Very, very great chapter. Great action. Great moment between uh, Aoki and uh, Angel De- Demon. And just uh, 
or Aki rather, and just super satisfying all the way around. Hmm. A Promised Neverland, chapter 160, Shackles. All right, a lot. There was a lot of text in this chapter. I don't remember anything that actually happened, though. <laughs> if you tried to explain this to me, I, 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 I or if you forced me to explain to somebody, be like, I, the Ratchet clan bad, I think, but may not <laughs> always be bad. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent certain what this chapter was conveying, and I've read it like two or three times, and I'm still like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> So there's like a flashback where Peter Rotri says to Lagravalima that he's going to take some of the forces and go and get the escapees. Um, and like, geez. who's who's explaining this? Because we see I the don't characters know who was there. Like we see the characters re like seemingly dead. reacting. Yeah, like we see Norman looks angry as though something happened. He's like, oh, he could pull off Peter Rotri, and I'm like. Is someone explaining this backstory to someone, or do they all just know this? I don't really know. And then they basically just decide that Peter Rotri is smart enough that any signs about where the base would be, they should ignore and go in the opposite direction because that's where they're actually find it. And then they're like, and now he is free of the shackles of Minerva. And they're talking about like, hey, these guys are bad because they created the hunting ground at Goldie Pond. They tormented countless children. The source of the system that started a thousand years ago. The ones responsible for William Minerva's death. Hugo's and Lucas's too. So it's the Ratchet clan. The Ratchet clan is bad. It's like, we didn't we know that already, though? Like, okay. Anyway, they meet up with Don and Gilda. And Emma and Ray hug them. And then they're like, Norman's here. And Norman's like, Oh, yeah, because I did the bad thing. I lied to you. And they're like, we're happy that you're here. And he hugs them, too. And then then there, there's one moment. That, this was the one moment that actually left an impression on me was that uh, Aishi's there. And Norma looks at her for a second. And then that says something in the language of the demons, which causes her to react in shock. We don't find out what was said. Um, but they're like, we've got to go back to base. Let's meet up with Oliver's group. Then we cut over to Giselle, who is or Jillian, sorry, who has just shown up at the at Norman's base, but no one's there. And she's like, what happened? Where is everyone? And that's it. Weird chapter. Yes. Very strange. Um, I don't know what to say. <laughs> I don't know either, because so much of this was just like this is telling us stuff that is a combination of things that we already know and things that we should technically have no way of knowing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like if the Men in Black Neuralizer came out and it neuralized just this chapter from existence and the next chapter started, be like, huh, I guess the treehouse is empty. I don't know when we would have learned that. Anyway, I feel like nothing else of value was lost. All right, Nick, let's talk Black about Clover. Black Clover, Nick. Page 232. Quiet lakes and forest shadows. So I got one good chapter this week. You see, Chris, when 
we saw that cover page for We Never Learn. It looked like it was going to be a super fan service heavy chapter. And then it turned out to actually be a very deeply emotional chapter that has a lot to do with everything that we're building up towards as we head into the final stretch of everything that these guys have been doing. And this chapter, which follows up on the first strike against the Spade Kingdom and should be following up on all of the things that we're supposed to be learning that they've been up to in the flashback, turns out that's the fan service chapter. So, yeah, uh, last time we showed we had a time skip. The only discernible difference is that Leopold got tall now, and that's... Like, really tall. Like Because he's standing is, next to them, and he's the tallest person in the group. It's only been six months. It hasn't been, like, three years. He got really fucking huge, uh, and literally no other real discernible difference has been seen to this point. So it's been a great time skip so far. wearing different shoes. Yeah, essentially. And I think Finro might have two-toned hair. It's, t- it's tough to tell, but some of his hair looks darker than the rest. Uh, Laura Pachika's like, hey, we have a foothold in the Spade Kingdom now. You know, we're going to establish this barrier. And because of my devil curse, I'll be able to detect devil magic really quickly. So this is our chance to start slowly and incrementally, start expanding our influence and strike back at the the Spade Kingdom. And Noel thinks, wow, it sounds insane for her to say it, but Laura Pachika is so powerful that it kind of feels like we'd be able to do it. She's an absurd princess. Uh, And then looks like, hey, I haven't fought enough. Uh, Gotcha, fight me. And Leopold's like, yeah, I want to fight too. And Asta's like, yeah, I want to fight too. And Laura Pachika's like, yeah, I want to fight too. Because in this series, you can only have one of two personalities, Asta or you're not Asta, basically. So <laughs> Laura Pachika's in the former category. Uh, and Noel's like, this is stupid. Let's go take a bath. And Mimosa's is like, yeah, I'll go too. And Udine's like, you should go too, Laura Pachika. And she's like, okay. And there's a joke about how Finroll is trying not to think dirty thoughts. It doesn't matter. Some character shows up. Don't know who this is. Well, Might never well, see them again. This is weird because Finroll literally has just had three hot girls go, let's go take a bath together. And he's like, no, I can't think about that because I'm loyal to my freaking fiance. But Jesus Christ, three hot women just said they were going to go take a bath together. And then Noel's like, Finral, if you're having weird fantasies, I'm going to kill you. It, it's it like, would, it would be he was th- already guilt tripping himself. Like, come it, on. It would be as though she walked up and she's like, you want to go to Victoria's Secret? Just try on lingerie for fun. Like, like yeah. And then I could bring a couple go- pillows and we could have like a pillow fight in the changing room. Like, and then we're we really could practice clothes. Ju- and then we could like practice kissing on each other and, <laughs> and it's him being like, stop it. I'm trying to remain faithful. And then they get angry at him. And he's like, you're the one shouting it at me. Um, like, yeah, let's go take a bath after we go to check out Victoria's Secret. But we're going to need to like be really thorough after because we'll be really sweaty after trying on all the underwear. So we're going to need to like bathe each other, like hands on, like rubbing each other all over. And just make sure that, you, you know, when you're doing me, just make sure you get into every last nook and cranny. Make sure you touch me where where nobody has ever touched me before. And she was like, ah, why are you doing this in front of me? There's something very hysterical about the premise of like, well, after we get done trying all that underwear on, of course, we're going to be hot and sweaty. <laughs> sweaty. <laughs> uh, random person shows up, don't know who they are. They're like, hey, Charmy's appeared. Well, I skipped over the part where they took off all of the underwear before they did jumping jacks. <laughs> oh, okay. so. Well, they were they were they were putting on uh, uh, bras made of steel, so they had to they had to like <laughs> really pull to like get it to actually stretch, <laughs> and then they had to uh, like use welding tools to get themselves out of it. So, 
Um, Charmy's there. Ass is like, hey, I'll handle this. Summons his sword. Gets on it like a surfboard. Starts flying away like we saw before. Fenrir watches him fly out. Nothing's happened, by the way. No, Nothing. Like, only Asta is left. Everyone else is in the same thing. Asta jumps on a sword, flies away. Fenro says, wow, a kid who couldn't even fly on a broom. He's turned into somebody incredible. In the worst transition of all time, we suddenly cut over to three girls taking a bath. There's no time lapse. We don't follow the action first. There is literally nothing to separate, like, no transition into this scene except three girls are bathing now. Literally, we saw Noelle in the previous page. She was right there apparently watching this. So I don't know why we decided to cut to this. This scene serves zero purpose except for Laura Pachika to be like, I'm so glad I found friends. They just bathed. There's a bunch of boob jokes in it. It's very important, Chris, that before we get the whole thing where Laura Pachika's like, you know, I have to pretend to be someone I'm not around everyone else. Thank God I found you. By the way, show don't tell. Uh, she... The first thing she says in the scene is, Mimosa, your tits are amazing. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, the first thing that happens in this is just like, Mimosa's boobs got bigger. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, the, the classic way, it's, may I touch your boobs? And then she immediately grabs onto him. And she's like, wow, these feel really nice. And you're like, all right, I guess, <laughs> I guess you do you, man. Whatever. It, the scene serves zero purpose. Uh, we cut over. Astus found Charmy. Charmy's eating a lot. I guess she's getting kind of fat uh, because Actually, she's not hang on a second. doing anything. This is very important. Hang okay. on a second. Yeah, I'm gonna go ask a question. Okay. Honey, I have a question to ask you. Yes, sir. You've been in like girls' locker rooms and stuff, right? Correct. We're, we're about okay. to get information. When, when, uh, come here, yeah. Okay, okay so I, yeah, when you're in a girl's locker room, is the first thing that you that happens is that girls, like, feel each other's boobs to see who's the biggest? No, you hide behind towels so that the lesbians don't stare at you. Is that really what you do? That's what some of the girls did, yes. Oh, that's, that's, that's much, actually, I actually prefer the groping each other version. Because that's at least, you know, implies, like, trust and friendship. That does imply trust and friendship. Okay. All right, thank you, honey. You're welcome. All right, that was very important. Thank you. There you go. Now we know. Uh, anyway, Nick, Charby's getting fat. I think. I don't know. Just, <laughs> she's just really big, and they're like, "What are you doing?" I guess she just eats a lot, and I don't really know. They mentioned that she's shown up, so I guess she's become a cryptid who just shows up and eats a lot. And Asta's like, "Don't you do anything but eat?" And she's like, "Hmm." Something to my character that doesn't involve eating. You know. All right. I have a crush on you know. And we cut over to you know. And the only, like a, like a... the only fucking discernible difference in this time skip is that you know is now the vice captain of the Golden Dawn. That was it. I do love the, like the computer program that happens inside of Charmy's head. Like, if not food, then <laughs> must be you know. She does actually say something kind of funny when she gets in, when she shows up, because Ass is like, you're eating way too much. And Charmy's just like, it's the fruit's fault for being so yummy. <laughs> but yeah, she ate a lot. Yeah, I, th- I guess All right. the, the specific thing 
that about you know is they say that they've received a message from the church in a remote village of Hage. So I believe that's the the village they grew up in. So well, because there was the person who was looking for him who showed up in the church. So something going on there. Yes. Um. So yeah, that's that's that. All right. Let's wrap things up with some world trigger this world week. Trigger! <laughs> we got neither of us had to say our thoughts on that chapter. We got them across. <laughs> chapter 188 is our first one. Hughes part nine. Oh, he's going to get his big moment to shine, Chris, by getting his ass kicked. Um, so, yeah, it basically what happens in this is uh, uh, so. Fortunately, Osamu does manage to meet up with Chika and uh, Yuma. Uh, that's like the one good thing that really happens for Tamakomatsu and all of this. We recap kind of the stuff that happened that left them in this position. Uh, Chika's cube getting blown up and her having to protect herself and Yuma from the blast, etc. We see a little bit of, you know, people kind of like uh, getting caught up on what's going on. Um, Yuma offers to go and bail out uh, Hughes, but Hughes realizes that, okay, or not, not actually go help out Hughes, but to go after the sniper who was tr- uh, tailing Chika. And uh, Os- uh, Osama realizes that what could happen is if the sniper Tanoka decides to just go stealth mode, then Yuma could be caught searching around for him for a while and not be there to support uh, uh, Osamu or Chika or uh, Hughes. And so he basically decides, like, we're going to go out together. If the sniper does get us in his sights, then you'll go after him when he tries to shoot at us. Uh, But what we're going to do first is we're going to focus on going there. Then we'll conceal ourselves and uh, support you by sniping uh, while you go on ahead. Um, So, you know, as I was just like, I, I don't really have any other options here. So just hang in there, Hughes. Hughes tries to hang in there. And uh, we get a bunch of analysis by the commentators who basically say that, you know, he's on the inside of this ridiculous, chaotic mess because everyone is shooting towards him and no one is really making a move towards each other because that will upset the balance that they've got going on. And he's using so much trying to focus on defending himself that he can't really fight back. So Konami kind of gives away a little bit by saying, like, well, there's something he could exploit since it's not like everyone surrounding him are friends. Uh, because, you know, if he gets beaten, then Ikoma squad is going to have the advantage. Yubo squad wants to avoid that situation. Inukai wants things to stay things as things are until Ninami and Suji show up. So everyone surrounding him is thinking different things, and he's as well aware of that. Uh, so I forget her name, but the main commentator girl says, like, well, so then Yuz could survive by exploiting that. And they're like, no, <laughs> he is not that good. Like, <laughs> um, so, so Hughes is trying to do some stuff. He's trying to get away by covering himself and going into alleys. Uh, but there's just keeping track of him. Um, eventually, Konami just gives away. He's like, come on, use your secret weapon. They're like, do you mean he has a trick up his sleeve? Like, no, no, it's a, no, it's a secret weapon. Shut up. <laughs> so. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, over on the sidelines, Kitora and Karasuma are talking and uh, she's like, what's his secret weapon? And uh, he's just like, oh, it's probably Viper. <laughs> I love how everyone <laughs> figures it out. <laughs> Basically, every person's like, it's probably a viper, right? Yeah, it's probably a viper. 
So, yeah, he explains that, yeah, you know, with Hughes is dexterous, so he's not as good as Nasu, but his shots always trace perfect paths. So whoever he's up against, the first time he unleashes it, he's going to hit his mark. Uh, and so like, yeah, oh, that would be a killing blow. So why isn't he using it? And even over like uh, uh, Inukai's is like, use your secret weapon, Hughes. Come on, you're going to die. You're going to get taken out and not get a chance to use it if you don't use it now. Um, finally, uh, Ikoma tries to use his whirlwind and <laughs> I love this panel. So basically what happens is Hughes sees this happening. He uses his foot to launch an escudo, which propels Ikoma up into the air because it emerges from underneath him. And so they're like, oh, my God. So he could he could take what's he going to do now? You know, he could take out Ikoma from this. He could try and escape with with this opening. Um, And Hughes does try and vault himself on another escudo. But Ikoma just kind of whirls around in the air and launches a whirlwind from midair and it takes out Hughes's other leg. So now Hughes is down to one limb. And uh, so they're like, oh, wow, that works. And I love how Ikoma's expression during this entire thing, launch him through the sky, tilting around in the air, even when he lands on the ground, just the same expression. Especially because he doesn't land in a graceful way. He falls like flat <laughs> on his face on the side. Yep. Uh, so everyone realizes that what uh, Hughes was trying to do was to make his way towards Ninamiya. He wanted to use the secret weapon on Ninamiya and take him out. Um, that was the main focus of everything. So they're like, all right, now that we know that, uh, if Hughes is engineering a showdown with him, well, then huh. and trying to figure out, like, what was he trying to do? Because Ninamiya would still beat him, right? All right, let's just eliminate him. Meanwhile, Hughes is suffering from massive try-on loss going into the, into the next chapter, chapter 189, which is loading. I should have done this before. I'm an idiot. Sorry. Do, 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 do. Waiting on Viz to load my goddamn what page. Do you, what do you think of the Butcher and the Beast, Nick? Or the Butcher and the I don't know anything. I don't really know enough about them yet. I like them. I don't know. I like the aesthetic. I like them. his monocle. I, I do. As I, I like the mask. I feel like they're kind of like what the Dark Order should be in that realm. Mm. Like a more interesting version in my mind. Anyway, chapter 189, <laughs> Chika Amatori, part eight. That was our 32nd AEW talk, guys. We've got a second podcast sandwiched in between another podcast. If you want, if people wanted us to talk about wrestling, that's probably what we'd be, we would talk about anyway. Anyhow, Hughes is about to go, is about to go down. His time is limited. And once he's out, then the entire sh- battlefield is going to change. So they're like, all right, who's going to claim Hughes in this match? And uh, they're like, it's probably going to be uh, Ikoma squad at this point, uh, because then Yuba squad will swoop in after they've tried to confirm uh, to uh, secure the kill. And uh, that'll take him out. And then the coolest goddamn thing happens in this uh, moment. Uh, Hughes uh, is getting ready to take action. Obashima uh, is like, all right, we'll manipulate Hughes into Yukoma squad's line of fire. And he starts to get some uh, meteors ready. Uh, Hughes uses his light to activate a, tr- a trigger again. And Obashima's was like, ah, oh, Eskido, is it going to come from below again? And then a fucking car hits him. <laughs> he used the Eskido to launch cars. At him. <laughs> it is maybe the coolest moment in anything this week where a fucking car just gets launched at her with an Eskudo. <laughs> 
I wish she was a girl. I forgot if it was yeah. she. Yeah, oh, but she meets was. a girl. Oh, okay. My bad. So she's like, I'm okay. <laughs> like you just see like from like crunched into a wall, like I'm fine. Like I really wish it was like a cartoon. It was just a hand behind the car. Like you couldn't see anything else. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> so as a result of that, Yuba squad's been broken up pretty quickly. Uh, then everyone goes in on Hughes. Yukoma tries to use his Kogetsu whirlwind again. Hughes drops everything and just launches a bunch of bullets. So Ikoma has to use his shield to cover himself. And immediately Konami's like, no! <laughs> and sure enough, Hughes uses the Viper, bends the bullets around Ikoma's shield and just beats the fuck out of him with them. Holes blown everywhere. Everyone's like, oh my God, that was a Viper. And Konami's like, Viper! <laughs> Pumping her fist. Uh, so Ikoma is is down. He's about to bail out. So he immediately calls out for Kai, who goes in on Hughes. Um, Hughes redirects some of the bullets from Ikoma back at Kai. <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God, who are you, Nasu? And um, the bullets nearly go around his shield as well. But um, support comes in from the rooftop. And he's and I forget this guy's name, but he he protects Kai from the stream of bullets. And he's like, hey, I took you long enough, but you're done now. And Kai is able to deal the final blow and take out Hughes, who did a really good job taking on like seven people at once. Yeah. But now that he's out and he's had to bail out along with Ikoma, uh, Tamakuma squad's in kind of a bad situation because their ace is gone. So now it's down to all the other stuff that they worked on, and they're going to have to deal with Ninomiya as well, uh, without a fresh Ninomiya for that matter. He's done nothing in this match so far, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, so the rest of the of the squads that were surrounding Hughes start to turn their attention on each other. Yuba is basically Im- basically immediately descends on uh, guy whose name we don't. Mizukami. Mizukami, who. And uh, Yuba's just me like, ah, go get the guns out, blah, 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 and takes them out. So there's the third person down. Uh, and uh, they recap with Konami that, uh, yeah, he used Viper as a secret weapon. And Konami lets out a breath of relief because she thought he was going to get taken out without ever getting a chance to use it. And uh, everyone just kind of takes stock. Hughes is upset with himself because he only got a single point. He's like, I, I accomplished the bare minimum, though. But there's something else I've got to do. Inside the match, uh, Tamakoma is regrouping and Chika is thinking about how Hughes has been taken out. And she's thinking it's, you know, it's just like previously, you know, this is because my cube got blown up. It's because I'm not good enough. But Hughes arrives in the uh, coordinator's station with Usami is like, hey, listen, Chika, sorry, I couldn't give you your shot like we practiced. I was limited instead. And Chika just remembers, you know, when he was talking down to her. A little bit saying, you know, if you failed to shoot the enemy, then Yuma and Osamu could die. And she just blamed herself for all this. And But Hughes cut, just says, like, hey, so listen, you've got to protect Yuma and Osamu in my stead. And that seems to really get to her. Right before we uh, cut outside, really, to some guy who's I don't recognize in the crowd and saying that this is heating up. So I can't tell if that's a Zumi or if it's someone different. Because it kind of looks like a Zumi's haircut, but a Zumi, I think, usually <laughs> wears something different. He's also very far in the background right now. So, mm-hmm. 
So yeah, this next thing is interesting. Um, I look forward to seeing where this goes because it's not going to just be like, all right, Hughes, you know, was our secret weapon. And he helped us out. Hughes did very little in this match. He definitely helps because he got them one of the points that they needed. Gasser took out a captain. So took it's a pretty big person to take out with them. But they've got to basically rely on all the other stuff that they've been working on in order to carry them through this and get them the last points that they need to win and uh, go on this mission. So how are things going to go? I also really appreciate that we spent all this time on this plan that they just didn't get to enact against Inamiya. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it definitely it creates a couple different things where we had to say, like, OK, how does this fight go from now? Now that they don't have their ace and sleeve, how did they deal with Ninomiya? Now that these number of people have kind of been eliminated, what does that mean for their plan? Because they had to get, what, four points, I think, was their number? They had to win against, I think, Ikoma Squad by four points or something like that. They need a certain threshold of points, I believe. And I can't remember exactly what it is. So now that three people are eliminated, like the the number, they only got one point out of there. So they need to start kind of getting more. So it it, it creates this new like situation where it's like, all right, how do they do it? The plus side is like, hey, the three people who are left are all fresh and they're all away from combat. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if we even see them kind of disappear for a bit and kind of focus on this huge melee that's coming you can almost make it like a monster movie where like Ninomiya shows up and everybody's like, oh, fuck. God damn it. I forgot about this guy. He just starts wrecking people because Braun Strowman's in the Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Where he just starts ripping people or or Darth Vader at the end of Rogue One. where are just oh. like, oh, God. Um, so it's it's, it's going to be really interesting to see where that goes. Um, and I, I do like that Hughes, uh, Hughes gets defeated and he gets up and he immediately is like, all right. Time to help out Chica. Yeah. I know she needs me right now. And it's nice because it's like, oh, Hugh says usually the dick in this this situation, but he's like, I'm part of this he's team. He's got a I goal prom- he's got to accomplish. Yeah. So yeah. So he's dedicated to making sure she can get through this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good chapter. Mm-hmm. All right. That's gonna do it for Week of Manga Recap. Let's name our favorites this week. Uh favorite series this week. Uh it feels obvious, but Obviously, it's not to everyone else. Uh, mine was We Never Learn. As mm. It was a chapter that almost got me to tears. And anytime a series could do that, I'm like, that's definitely going to be it. It, it. Just a super great, well-written chapter. And a, like a great spot for it, too. Where we've kind of reached this point. We've, we've had a while and just getting that chapter that like really tied everything together. It actually gave each of the individual girls little pieces of like information that felt like, yeah, that actually did feel personalized to her. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, I, it definitely gave me the biggest emotional reaction uh, in probably the past few weeks, honestly, just to have all this happen. It was very, very unexpected following that cover page, but uh, very, very nice. So, uh, Favorite character, I'm going to go with Hughes. Oh. Um, throw in a car. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but also all the stuff, you know, he'd be he does his job. He uses a secret weapon. He gets up after he's been defeated and he dusts himself off and he goes to help out the rest of the way that he can. That's cool. So, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Aki from Chainsaw Man is mine. I thought it was a super cool moment to see him go out and reach out. And just that moment where he's like, I've seen way too many people die in front of me. I'm not watching yeah. somebody else die. It's just a very sweet little sentiment from him. He's got such a limited time left. And even so, he burned a lot of it because he just doesn't want this guy to die. Yeah, so I like that a lot. 
the audience, uh, as always, picked World Trigger as their series of, of the week, and Uego won for character MVP of the week. So there you yeah, go. I get that. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, that's gonna do it, guys, for weekly manga recap. Thank you for joining us here on twitch.tv slash RoloT, smashcast.tv slash RoloT. We stream uh, Wednesdays around 7.30 to 8 Eastern time in the evening. Uh, you can also check out our past episodes of weeklymagarecap.podbean.com. And, uh, yeah, there's other stuff, but I need to pull up my notes in order to read it off because I've forgotten all of it. But I'm covering very admirably by bringing attention to it. Follow us on Twitter for updates at WMR Podcast, at RoloT, at Nick F Time, and we'll keep you updated on if anything changes, if we need to change the streaming location, the streaming time, all that stuff. Be sure to send feedback, uh, ask questions, suggest future manga. You can do that via the Discord uh, server, which is also a great way to keep uh, in touch for updates on things that are going on. Uh, you can also send that stuff to us via email, weeklymangarecap at yahoo.com. We want to give a special thanks to everyone who hangs on the Discord server, to our Patreon supporters, uh, and, of course, to the people who help us make the show what it is, NinjaX3i, for being very good at organizing and keeping track of records and things so that it's easier on us to tell, like, you know, what manga we've already looked at and stuff like that. Uh, Steve Man, our tire artist, you can check out his work in a bunch of different places. Infamous Planet for making the frame for the uh, video stream. Milo Jack Stilitz and Winsleydale Cheddar. Check out their SoundCloud and YouTube, respectively, for making the opening sequence of Wikimanga Recap. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I think that's uh, that's us. We're going to head off into that sunset, Nick. But oh, uh, follow, follow, you, follow WMR Votes, by the way, on Twitter to uh, take part in polls uh, related to the podcast. But before we get to that, I wanted to tell a story. Tell a story. So, uh, as many of you know, I've been away this past week. My dad uh, had something sent him to the hospital. Uh, had a stroke, actually. So mm. I find it very amusing. I made a lot of stroke jokes this episode. All in good fun. Uh, he's in rehab right now, so he's okay. So before you start hearing this story, don't worry. Uh, but while he's in the hospital, you know, when you're in the hospital, particularly when you're kind of in there for something like that, uh, it's 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 a sort of thing that's been known. A little bit of your humanity and is kind of taken away from you. Because you, you kind of have to rely on people for everything else. Mm. And, you know, when you're watching, you know, particularly when you're watching your father like that, you're like, I'm going to quietly respect this. I know that I'm not seeing you at your best, but I'm not going to really show it to you. You know, I want you to be able to still hold respect for yourself. So I noticed that my dad is in a diaper. Don't say anything about it. I'm sitting there with my sister and my little brother. And we're trying to play a game. And I hear my dad uh, go over to the, the nurse call button. And I, I hear him turning on, and he's like, I, I need my diaper changed. And I don't say anything, because I'm like, no. this is I know. I don't care. I still respect him. He's my father. And I hear the voice of the other go, what? And my dad go, I need my diaper changed. <laughs> no. And the voice of the other go, say it again. And my dad just has to escalate. I need my diaper changed. <laughs> She's like, you need a drink? No, I need my diaper changed before the final one of her going on the other end. She's like, hooey, buddy. I could use one of those two right now. <laughs> and all of us finally have to turn and just be like, does she, does she think she's getting you a drink? <laughs> like, like the moment of quiet respect's gone <laughs> as you dad has to shout into this thing like, I need my diaper changed. <laughs>
And I just <laughs> I wanted everyone to share in that moment. All right, that's gonna do Fukumaga recap for this week. Everybody. And on that note, <laughs> have a good one.